Life Audio. Hey there, Heather Creekmore here. Thank you for listening to the Compared to Who show. Today, my guest is Dr. Carrie Anderson. If you didn't get to listen to part one of our interview, go back and listen to that episode first. Dr. Carrie Anderson is an expert in the world of eating disorders. Specifically, she works with women who struggle with binge eating and Oh, what she has to say is so good. Today, she gets into the brain science, what's actually happening in our brains when we binge. She talks about fear. She talks about inflammation. She talks about befriending your body. There's so much good stuff in this episode. I'm glad you're here. Let's go. Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compared to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Dr. Carrie Anderson, thanks so much for being here on the Compared to Who show again. I am glad we can continue this awesome conversation Woo. Thank you for inviting me back. This is fun. Yeah, we went to some pretty deep places last time. Um, and I love how part of your book is incorporating kind of the science, the brain science behind all this eating disorder stuff with your memoir, with your story. So I think that's a really beautiful blend. Mm-hmm. And today I just want to talk about the science because I think that's what people are going to find interesting and they can go grab your books. So they can read your memoirs. They can read your stories. And I, I know that they're going to do that. Um, but let's, let's just talk about the science. So we talked a little bit in the last episode about kind of what's going on in the brain of someone who's binging, but you kind of have this shall I say, novel approach to mm-hmm. helping women who are really stuck in eating disorder and can I even say disordered eating patterns? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you, can you give us a little taste of what that's like and how kind of the science plays into that? Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to say is God is the author of all our science. Amen. Right? In fact, as long as I, the more that I learn about science, the more I believe in God. And yeah. I believe Albert Einstein was the first person to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very smart. <laughs> A little. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when we study the human nervous system or mammals, for that matter, we realize that we were wired for connection mm. and that our nervous systems are all dependent on what we call co-regulation with other people and we were meant to be in community and we were meant to be um to be able to calm down when we're surrounded by safe people because you know when we're born we are helpless and and that's why there's so much things like oxytocin and bonding and um and this need for other people to calm our nervous system and to make us feel safe 
And, um, you know, we know the Bible talks about fear all the time, fear this and fear that and fear not. <laughs> and essentially it's because, um, out of, because our bodies were designed out of survival, um, that God had to put in this whole mechanism, uh, for us to be in community so that we would take care of each other. So there's something to do with this and food. And here it is. Okay. Okay. The same, um, cranial nerves, uh, in the facial structure and into the swallowing, uh, mechanism and, uh, into the body and the nervous system, the very same pathways that we use to chew, swallow, and ingest food are the very same pathways that we use to communicate and talk. Hmm. So when we say I'm having an affair with food or, you know, um, we're not too far off. My best friend huh. is food. And that is because it calms the body in the same way. It puts us into a parasympathetic state of calmness and, and safety. And hmm. because food is our life force, right? And God yeah. put it on earth for us to not only to live and to thrive, but also to commune with in terms of in community um, that, um, that these two things are so like each other that one can replace the other. So oftentimes, especially maybe those that have some maybe trauma histories or a highly sensitive nervous systems that tend to move, it's safer to move to food as the regulator instead of the risk that it takes, um, with relationship. Yeah. And so it really is a love substitute. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find with the patients that you work with that many of them don't have a tight group of community like that, that that's something missing in their lives and that when that community comes in or can be built, that the relationship with food or with the, with the eating disorder well, you changes? Know- that cycle grows it as well. Now, there may have been some breach or, or maybe not in terms of their histories, in terms of trust and using humans as the co-regulator. Maybe there wasn't a bond or maybe there was an attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of but, but even those that maybe had a fine attachment in childhood find themselves in our culture as they become more attached to food, they become more and more isolative from people. Mm-hmm. And part of that is the great bias mm-hmm. and fat bias and, and that we live with in our, so the, the larger one's body gets, the more they have of microaggression and things that happen to them. Mm-hmm. So they pull farther away from people, right. they isolate, and then they turn to food for that co-regulation instead of people. And yeah. so it, it just as the act of using food, it creates more isolation. It's a yeah. repetitive cycle. Yeah. Well, and I can see that. I mean, in women of all different sizes of the body, mm-hmm. because the shame you feel, even if you are binging and your body size doesn't reveal that you're binging, right. you still feel that shame yeah. and mm-hmm. you still feel like you are quote unquote larger, right? You, you feel like you've, you know, gained however many pounds overnight, yeah. you know, like, like you have all those mental distress. Yeah, that's that is so distorted because when I was actively in my binge eating disorder as you know as a teenager, 
I look back at pictures of me and I just say, oh dear, you're so beautiful. I just, I can't believe that you hated your body so much. And, 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 you know, and then later in life I go, oh, if I only, right. (laughs) If I only looked that way, you know, now. And so we do have a lot of distortion, um, when it comes to that. And, and really the answer with this is, is the process, um, uh, is befriending, so I talk about befriending the body. It's not about aesthetics. It's not about how we look. It's really about how we feel and how we treat our body. And so I try to keep people this idea of what might our body feel like mm-hmm. when we're not eating? It's mm-hmm. frightened, right? Mm-hmm. What might our body feel like when we're overfeeding it? It's again frightened mm-hmm. because it's just too much food for its its digestive system to keep up with. So in both those cases, the body becomes frightened. And so if we look at the body and befriending it, we want it to feel safe. So how can we treat it in a manner that our body will feel safe? And even when we, when we consistently overeat or maybe even overeat things that cause inflammation in the body, Mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of what we're learning now is inflammation is kind of the thread of all disease, um, even depression, right? Mm. So that's just fear. The body's afraid because something's not quite right. And so it's immune cells come in and we start to to attack whatever it is that's causing. And, And so the body, even from a physiological perspective, is frightened. So befriending is about calming the body and how we take care of it, yeah. whether it be through through prayer and meditation, um, whether it be through being kind to ourselves and the types of foods, the anti-inflammatory foods that we might want to eat more of. Um, at the same time, you know, this is not about restriction because we have to be careful of the insecurity, right? right. So we have to always be calming and saying, it's fine, right? right. It's going to be okay. And maybe even thanking our body when it gets nervous and anxious. Oh, thank you for warning me. Mm. You're doing your job, but things are okay right now. So it's like this yeah. act of parenting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing a little bit because that's the technique we learned to use on our dog when she barks, which you can probably hear her in the background because mm-hmm. she's been barking the whole time we've been on. <laughs> But we're supposed to thank her for warning us that there is a UPS man outside and then she's supposed to go on and not bark. But since I wasn't able to thank her, I guess she's continuing to bark. But I mean, it sounds so similar, but it it makes sense. It makes sense that. Well, and that's how we're supposed to speak to ourselves. You know, that if we talk, if we soften our eyes and we calm our nervous system and we talk in this prosodic sing-songy voice, we call it doggies or babies. Uh That's how our nervous systems through this thing called neuroception is looking for safety. Mm. So when we speak to ourselves kindly, Mm. right. With that, with that, that soft and, and that we don't have angry faces, right. Then we calm down and we're going to be good. So we really need to actually treat ourselves and others like we treat our dogs and babies. (laughs) That's that's awesome. (laughs) Carrie, I'm excited for you to tell us how we can apply all of this to our lives. And we'll do that right after the break. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. 
We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. It really practically, like, is that something, someone who, you know, if you have an eating disorder, get help. Okay. (laughs) So, but, but for those who maybe don't feel like they are all the way on the spectrum, but every once in a while, I just, you know, go crazy with the Girl Scout cookies. Is that, is that a technique that we can just employ in that? So how would that look, Carrie? So they call this, um, and I, I employ like uh, internal family systems, right? Okay. So uh-huh. from a therapeutic perspective, basically yep. what it is, is that we treat ourselves as if the, all of the parts of ourselves um, are, if they're frightened, it's because they're just trying to protect us. So we don't, we don't condemn or judge any, anything that we do. We try to understand it befriend it and then and and to calm it down and say i got you this is okay oh i see i see that you're um you're wanting more and more and more of these why don't we just set them down and take a breath let's go to this little place in the corner our little sanctuary right and yeah. let's do a little prayer meditation let's kind of calm our our whole nervous system down with all the sensory things like a, a soft blanket or you know, a a candle that's flickering or something. Mm -hmm. All these have a reason why they work. It's not that, you know, sometimes people feel I'm patronizing them and said, oh, you're just telling me to do a pedicure. And I said, well, actually the goal of that is to using these sensory resourcing to calm our nervous system down. The goal is to calm ourselves down so that then we can think because when we get into this sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight flight, we can't think we default to this habitual mindless, just stuffing uh, uh, our face with these with these cookies or whatever it is that you are. Mm-hmm. And we just need to take a breath and say, you can have some later. It's not about the cookies. Mm-hmm. Let's just get ourselves regulated so that we're eating the cookies in a manner that is mindful mm-hmm. with others, joyfully mm-hmm. making memories. I always yeah. say that there's these wonderful foods that, that, and I listened to a recent podcast of yours, Heather, and um, about how God put these wonderful foods, uh, you know, on this planet as well. Um, but let's eat them like, like we love them, mm-hmm. not sneaking in, in private gobbling without tasting. Mm-hmm. We use them for connection. Mm-hmm. So if you have a habit of eating foods um, in a manner differently when you're by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Think about that and say, next time, let me eat this wonderful food. Like I love it with others, connecting with them, making joyful memories. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a really good differentiation in terms of, am I using this food to regulate my nervous system or I'm using this food to connect with the pleasure with other people? Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm also just thinking about the difference between the messages that we give ourselves normally when we're binging or even, you know, even to not put that label on it when we are eating food mindlessly, let me say it that way. Those messages are normally not messages that are kind and thoughtful, right? It's messages of shame. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't eat anymore. I feel guilty. Okay. I'll have to make up for this tomorrow. I'll have to make up for this later. You know, all of those messages. And, and I can see how that would feed that fight or flight response Absolutely, right? instead of the like, okay, you're okay now. Yeah. You really want a cookie. You can have a cookie like that. that well, and it really sense. is true that anything that we do in fear, anything that we do uh, that, that, and remember fear can actually be in terms of, of uh, flight running away or fight. People don't understand that fear, uh, when we get agitated and angry and jealous or uh, angry at ourselves um, and, and self, you know, self-degrading, that's, that's a fear energy, yeah. right? That's part of the yeah. fight flight energy. And anything that we do in that energy, right, is we are disconnected to it because our whole body is just focused on survival right then in terms of, and so we're not mindful and we're not able to connect. When we get into fight flight, we don't even connect with other human beings. Yeah. Well, I'm also thinking, so my good friend, Erin Carey is an integrative nutrition coach and mm -hmm. she has this quote, the statement she always says, which is a body of stress does not digest. Exactly. And so if you're eating all the things and you're in the fight or flight, you, I mean, is, can you even feel that you're getting full? <laughs> like, like, do you even have yeah. the ability and you're not getting nutrients from it, but can you even feel that, that fullness cue? No, yeah. because you're just, you can't, you're, place, you're right? mindless. <laughs> and that, that goes for exercise too. If you, yeah. if you're exercising and you're fighting your body at that time and it's no pain, no gain, and you, or you hate the exercise that you're doing, mm. it's been proven that because we get into that sympathetic nervous system, that we're not gleaning the benefits of exercise because hmm. of it. So whatever we do, we need to love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so really pragmatically then if I hate running, which right. I do, <laughs> it's not going to be beneficial for you yeah. because the stress involved of it is going to counter any benefit that you're going to get from it. Mm. That's good. Boy, someone just got freed from, <laughs> from having to go for a run today. <laughs> That's great. But what else is important for us to know about kind of the science? What's going on in our brains behind, behind this stuff? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a connection piece. There's the food insecurity piece. There's the piece of whether or not that we're um, in our habitual brain, which is automated, or is it in our value-based brain, which is um, a choice. Right? Okay. And so that's the other thing to think about is that all habits, we're all habits a creature and we have this thing called dopamine, mm -hmm. right? And dopamine, actually people think about it is the pleasure neurotransmitter, but it really is the learning. Uh, it lays down the learning process. 
So what it will do, and this is really important for people that have cravings um, and obsess about food, like the food that talks to you from the cupboard or in the freezer, (laughs) Uh and it's saying, I'm in here, come and get me. And so those are what we call cravings. That doesn't have to anything to do with your hunger or fullness. Mm. It has to do with a brain craving. Okay. And so I, I try to help people learn the difference between what is a craving and, and what is actual hunger. Okay. And with the craving as part of learning, because what happened is when you first had the, okay, let's just talk about the cookies in the cupboard. The first time that you had cookies from the cupboard, okay, your brain dopamine went off when you ate the cookie as the reward. Mm-hmm. So it goes ding, 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 reward eat the cookie. This makes me feel calm. This makes me feel better. But then what happens is after the habit is laid down, the dopamine actually is the first cue that you have. And remember that there's, there's, if you either see it or you remember that it's in the cupboard, you get this boost of dopamine by just remembering they're in the cupboard. Hmm. So, and the reason why you do is so that you will hunt it. Okay. It's so that you will get it. Now, this is all part of survival as well, is that if people forgot where things were and they didn't have the reward and motivation to go get it, they would starve to death. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happens is now you're sitting in your chair, you turn on the TV, you've got the cue of TV, and maybe that's a cue that tells you I need to eat now, right? Because Mm -hmm. I want a snack. You know, then you remember that that there's cookies in the cupboard, which is another cue. And so what happens is the wanting, very important part of binge eating, the wanting is more satisfactory than the actual liking of when you get Mm. it. Hmm. And anybody that's had some sort of addiction to anything Mm. will know exactly what I'm talking about. The obsession, the craving, the figuring out how to get it. Um, is all a high, mm-hmm. but actual, when you sit down to actually eat it, it doesn't even taste that good. It's mm-hmm. not as good as what it was. So that's what happens and why dopamine and the learning of the habitual process is so hard because then when you stop eating it, not only if you say, okay, I'm not, I'm getting rid of all the cookies. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Not only are we not getting the boost of dopamine, when, uh, by craving it. Okay. The, actually the dopamine drops out and goes low in our body so that we have dysphoria and, and we feel crappy Mm. Okay, so that we'll be motivated if we feel crappy to feel better again. Mm. So then we eat the cookie we've Mm -hmm. given, we can't, we go to the store and get it anyway. (laughs) We eat the cookie and then dopamine goes Bing, and we go, see, I told you so. I knew you needed that cookie. Hmm. So <laughs> it's not impossible for us to change our habits, but it is hard. And to hmm. realize that it's not that you don't have willpower. It's not that, that, you know, you're not doing, you know, you're not being a good trooper. It's that <laughs> your brain doesn't want you to change. And yeah. so it's going to make it really difficult, but you can uh, you can change and, and there's, there's ways to do that from a behavioral perspective. Mm-hmm. We just have to train the brain and there's a yeah. lot of training methods to train the brain to think differently. Yeah. So it's interesting because so, to your point, 
I think a lot of women try to cure quote unquote binging by, I'm just not going to have the food that I binge on in the house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And actually if somebody has a craving brain, Mm -hmm. meaning that you obsess about the food, right? Then you are highly susceptible to the cues and having the food available is a huge cue. Mm -hmm. So here's, you know, this is kind of like an answer. That's a both. And okay. 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 So in the beginning, when you're trying to retrain the brain, you don't want to have these foods easily accessible because when you train a habit, you want to make doing the old behavior really, really, really hard, Mm -hmm. like speed bumps, guardrails, things to put in the way for you to not be just automated, especially Mm -hmm. for people that have those, the problems with impulsivity and attention, Mm -hmm. okay, because their brains are tired. They're not going to be able to, you know, intervene and pause and stop and do something else. So it's very important when you start to make it really simple and easy to do the right thing. And so if you have to modify your environment, then you modify your environment. Mm -hmm. I even have people take different routes home where Mm -hmm. they don't go past or take their app, the food apps for ordering Uber Eats or whatever off of their phone, mm-hmm. right? You want to make it difficult to do what you've already been doing um, so automatically without even thinking. But the ultimate goal, right, is to be able to, it's not abstinence because we know what that does. It creates more food insecurity, right? Ultimately, the goal is to be able to come back and eat those foods in a manner for which that we are eating them mindfully together with others connected Mm -hmm. and making memories right and that we're learning to eat that those goodies and those treats in a way that is celebrating life and not sustaining life meaning (laughs) it's not we don't need it in order to live right and so we have to train the brain that that there are certain foods that we eat that we nourish ourselves with And there's foods that we connect with others with, Mm, and it really, it really is different. And I may be different than some other eating disorder, uh, individuals, you know, that treat this because, um, you know, you've probably all heard and, um, and I had great conversation with Aaron with intuitive eating, um, for Christians, but is that, is that we just look at it from a, from a science perspective, just through Mm -hmm. those lenses. And we have a little bit different perspective that yes, all foods fit. Absolutely. But maybe not in the same way that we use those foods. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, I, I guess my caution or concern would be that like someone I heard who probably has an eating disorder and doesn't know she has an eating disorder, just got a license to clean out all the sugar from her pantry because she has now decided that her brain needs her to do that. And that might be the case, but it might not be the case, but I know, I know that might sound like a conflicting message together with the intuitive eating messages that, Mm -hmm. you know, that we've had on the show for the last couple of years. So, you know, y'all are smart. And I I do want to say that this all has to be around, you know, what your intention is. Yeah. This has to do, is this the motivation to be kind Mm. to yourself? Is this the motivation for self-care? Yeah. Is this the motivation that I'm going to make my body and my brain feel safe? Yeah. Or is this a license to be able to make my body 
more fearful yeah. and afraid. Yeah. So it all has to do with why we do things. Yeah. Um, why are we, why are we doing this? Are we doing this for the glory of God? Are we doing this to, to be kind and to treat our bodies well? Or is it so that we can fit an ideal that society is giving us? Yeah, that's a really good distinction. I appreciate you making that because I do feel like I, I don't know that I could genuinely, I mean, I've got four kids too, so it'd be logistically really a nightmare, but I don't know that I could genuinely get all of my like, you know, (laughs) delicious foods out of the house. But I do feel like since I've started practicing intuitive eating, like we're in Girl Scout cookie season Mm -hmm. right now. And I was just telling some of my clients, I was like, you know, like there's, there's still a box of Thin Mints that have been in there for more than a week now. Like that could have never happened. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? You know, know, that, that is just freedom. And I found that freedom as well. I, when I talk about this brain training, I'm talking Mm -hmm. about people that are stuck Mm -hmm. in these, in these binge cycles and self-loathing and they can't seem to get unstuck and their brain won't shut off. And all Mm -hmm. they do is obsess about food night and day. I'm not talking about, I'm, that's, that's the approach to help kind of calm the brain down and to reset the brain. And so that it's not so stimulated all the time and then to come back with exposure work. Um, So this was more of a clinical intervention. It's Mm -hmm. not for the everyday, um, you know, I overeat and stress eat once in a while. Um, And, and so, but there are people out there and there's a, there's probably, um, when it comes to binge eating disorder, there's a subset of individual individuals is about 20% of those that have binge eating disorder that actually have, um, just brain dysfunction mm-hmm. and that they, we have to approach them much differently. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that distinction. And, and I will say that even though I didn't know all of your science to put that name on it, <laughs> right. I would, I didn't know that course. I would say that probably a part of my recovery and my ability to do intuitive eating to whatever extent I'm quote unquote succeeding in that I'm not sure, but, but I think there was like, I, like I mentioned in the last episode, there was a point in my path where I had to say, you're not being nice to your body with these restrictive behaviors, your body like needs you to eat more regularly. So you feel calmer and your body is happy when it is fed and Heather Mm -hmm. feel how happy your body is when it's fed. So, I mean, I had to kind of trick myself into some of that, I would say naturally. So that all makes sense to me that, that especially for the person who's stuck that, that is, um, and ultimately the goal for everybody is intuitive eating Mm -hmm. is to get back to, you know, to be reset. Yeah. It just is the method that they have determined, determined, um, of how severe their yeah. symptoms are as to how, what it's going to take. And I, I can't emphasize more. You need to work with somebody. If you have an eating disorder, you need to work with somebody that's a specialist in eating disorder. It's not, um, it's not something that everyone knows, right, right, <laughs> um, right. how, to, how to treat. And yeah. so, yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Okay. So Carrie, tell everyone where they can connect with you. Now, do you see patients virtually and are you, can you see patients from across the country or just licensed 
Well, I'm areas? licensed in three different states. Okay. That's Arizona, Washington, and Vermont. And okay. I can actually do psychotherapy, but I okay. do recovery coaching um, all over the United States and abroad. Um, and those are individuals that don't have an active diagnosis of an eating disorder. Okay. And those that have like subclinical types of um, issues around food and, um, and food habits and um, disordered eating. So I can do that. And then I have an online course okay. that goes through all of this right? That is, um, you can find on my website. And um, I wanted to extend um, an offer to anybody that wants it. It's a 50% off um, of the course, which would make it just $99. And it's a full eight week video driven course, which interaction with email with me, um, it follows the the book. And, um, and that code, and I'm going to extend that code, it's RW50. And, and so I'll, I'll extend that to make sure that you guys have plenty of time after listening to this broadcast to be able to take advantage of that. Um, Right. So that code mm -hmm. is RW50. I'll put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. It's Carrie's eight week course and it's 50% off and Carrie, do they buy the book first to go through the course with, or how does that work? Well, you can go through the course without the book, but the book, um, the course does have page references through okay. for, throughout the book. And if you can only do one by the, you know, get the book because the book is very rich. Um, it's just the specific activities and assignments that I've been speaking of today um, are in um, that online course. Wonderful. And Carrie, what's your website? Just so everyone can okay. hear it. It's my, it's easy. My eating doctor.com. And so doctor is spelled doctor. out my eating D-O-C-T-O-R.com. Great. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Well, Dr. Carrie Anderson, thank you so much for being on the compared to who show today. Sure. I just, this, I always have so much fun. As you can tell, I've got a lot of passion about what I do. And most of all, I just want to reach people out there that feel like they, there's something wrong with them and that they're somehow not getting it. And it has nothing to do with with you. It might just have to do with your physiology and your brain or your history or even your ancestors. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I think we all learned a lot today. So thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. And thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. The Compared To Show is proud to be part of the Life Audio podcasting group. Check out lifeaudio.com for other great Christian shows. Before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to comparetowho.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at comparetowho.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching 
is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration. And I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.